Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, uh, today is the last uh, message in our sermon series called Surviving the Silly Season. Who's enjoyed this uh, series so far? And uh, if you haven't yet heard the other uh, sermons in this series, you can catch up online on our podcast and those are there. And today I'm going to be talking about relationships. And uh, as you know, Christmas is a time where we're going to hang out with more people and we're probably going to be invited to more social gatherings with more different types of people. You're going to be invited to more work hangouts, more family get-togethers, more social gatherings, more let's catch up before the end of the year, and more hangouts with close friends. Now, I know what all the introverts are saying. The introverts are saying this, instead of going out to those parties, what if we just stayed home? And what if we just wore comfy clothes in quiet spaces with soft lighting and drank tea? And so if you are uh, one of those people, God bless you, but you're probably still going to have to get out of the house at Christmas time because it is definitely a social season. And uh, here's what I've experienced is most times when we get invited to something, a Christmas party or a Christmas gathering, we're going to ask four questions. And these are pretty common questions. They shouldn't surprise you. The first is what I call a presence question. You remember the old invite? I don't know if you have ever got one of these. Your presence is requested. Have you ever got an invite that says this? So the first is the presence question. And it's should I go or not go? And it's often about who is going to be there. Okay, this is the first set of questions. And the second set of questions is the preparation question. And it's basically these two things. What should I bring? What should I wear? Now, most of the time when we're answering these questions, the predominant filter that we're going to use is what is good for us? What is good for me? And we're going to have a mixture of things that we want to go to and things that we have to go to. So we're going to, as we filter these, there's going to often be a sense of obligation. Well, I have to go to this because of, or I'm looking forward to go to this. And so what we do internally, often we have this dialogue, and we're kind of weighing up the pros and cons based on what's good for us. Okay, what suits our feelings, our emotions, our energy levels, And also, like, what is good for our personal goals? So we're kind of going to weigh these things up. And uh, this morning, I actually want to bring a different perspective other than that one. Now, those things are true, but I want to bring a different perspective that this Christmas season, in terms of your relationships, in terms of the things that you're invited to, the environments that you get to go to, and the people that you hang out with, to have a different perspective... And that different perspective is not have to or want to, but it's get to and to have the different perspective that this is an opportunity to share the light and life of Jesus. 
Let me read the words of Jesus from Matthew 15. He says this, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a hilltop, a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And here is the possibility that we're faced with around this time, is maybe we are the ones that God has chosen to be a positive difference in every environment that we set our foots in. Have you ever thought about that? And I want to encourage you that what God wants to do with us, even if we think this is far from us, or even if we think that we should be doing this, but we're not quite, or we are doing this, that for each and every one of us, we are invited to be light bearers and life bringers to every situation where we set our foot. Now, what about this as a different narrative as we come into all these gatherings and all these friendships, all these coffee catch-ups, all these parties that I have the capability, not because of my goodness, but because of the presence of God within me, that when I step into a room, I can be a positive influence on that atmosphere and that I could actually bring something and bring something that carries life and light into any environment that I've been to. Now, I think we all know and we all sense that sometimes we walk into a conversation or we walk into a room and we're like, hey, I don't know what it is, but I can sense that something's not amazing here. There's some, something kind of going on in the atmosphere. Who, can, who has a sense of that kind of thing? Most of us have a sense of when something is not awesome or where there's something going on under the surface. But I want to encourage us that as we partner with the Holy Spirit, that we have the possibility to be the solution and to actually be the light and to actually be the person who brings life in places where there's barrenness and light in places where there's darkness. Because who knows, our world needs a bit more light and life. And so today, this message is a very practical message that's really going to help us to prepare for what's ahead in this next couple of uh, in this next month or so and as we head as part of the uh, Christmas and New Year and I want to encourage you if you if there's something that we, that is within you that says yeah I want to be someone who carries life and light this message is for you even if you don't think you could right now but you want to this message is for you Now, it's really interesting. Everybody knows that our relationships have a key impact on us. And there was a study, actually, the first major study of social networks. So when I talk about social networks, the impact that our social network has on our behavior, the first major study of it was done by two doctors, one called Dr. Christakis and the other called Dr. Fowler. And it was 
working out what kind of impacts your social network, your friends and your family have on you. It was really fascinating. And they used some of the best data available and they actually focused the data that they had uh, available was from a long-term heart study that went for over 30 years and had quite a a large range of people um, that were involved in it. And so essentially, they were working out this, that if your friends have bad health habits then that can lead them to be clinically unhealthy, what impact will that have on you? So the whole idea is, what impact do my friends have on us? Now, they looked at three circles, right? So the first circle is your friends, the people that you know. Then the next circle was the friends of your friends. So people that you don't know but are friends of your friends and then the third circle is the friends of your friends. Does that have we have we lost everybody? So three circles, right? Do you know that if someone has a bad health habit that leads them to be clinically unhealthy and they are people that you know, you have a 45% you are 45% more likely to adopt the same health habit. Did you know that? People that are friends of your friends that you don't know, you have a 20%, you are 20% more likely to still have that same bad health habit. And do you want to know the friends of your friends that you don't know? 10%. So isn't it amazing as we understand the power of friendships? And we all know that friendships can be healthy or unhealthy And we all know that we can be the ones that have positive influence. So when we're thinking about these environments, these invitations that we have, sometimes we've got to be thinking about should I go or not go? And I think sometimes that's a really, really important question. And here's some of the reasons why. Around the silly season, we hear phrases like this. He was a nice guy until he fell in with the wrong crowd. We also hear this phrase, it was a time in my life when I was lonely and vulnerable. How about this one? We had a few drinks and one thing led to another. Or it was just a summer fling. Now we've got to understand that sometimes the environments and the friendships that we choose can lead us down a path that we didn't intend. And the Apostle Paul says this, And I believe it to be true. 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I think that we've all experienced that in one way or another. It doesn't matter how good we are or if we're in a healthy place, if we associate with the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong way, there's going to be an impact on us. There's a proverb from the Bible, Proverbs 13.20, and it says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. That's the first part of it. There's two parts of it. Walk with the wise and become wise. Now, the next part talks about the foolish. And logically, the next part of this proverb would be this. Walk with the foolish and become wise. Foolish. Sounds logical, right? But in fact, the proverb doesn't say it. It says this, For a companion of fools 
suffers harm. So we've got to understand that sometimes when we walk with fools, we're going to get hurt. And that's not God's intention for us. Sometimes we place ourselves in the wrong environments with the wrong people and we wonder why over and over we keep getting hurt and it comes back to the company that we keep. Now, there's, we've obviously got to have wisdom here and the discernment of the Holy Spirit, but we need to understand that sometimes we make life incredibly difficult for ourselves by the people that we associate with. And so here are a couple of practical questions when it comes to certain environments this silly season. And here's this one, a simple one based on this. Will this friendship hurt my friendship with God? You know, Jesus followers, what they prioritize, they prioritize above anything else their relationship with God. And so we've got to ask ourselves, is this friendship going to damage and destroy the connection that I have with God? Is this friendship going to, uh, am I going to be able to positively influence them or will they negatively influence me? Now, I'm not saying that every environment that you go to, you're always going to like the people that you're with. This is particularly true around Christmas time. Let's be honest. Let's be real. And sometimes, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, people are going to annoy you. They're going to frustrate you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the type of person that is damaging to your soul and damaging to your spirit and destroys your connection with God. And I want to encourage you really, really practically that there are some invitations that you might need to say no to because you don't want to hurt yourself, and that is wisdom. Now, how will we know? I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of us in different ways, at different times, and there is this voice that is within us. And I want to encourage you, when you hear that voice, maybe it's something, a feeling or a sense or a thought that says, don't go there, there is danger there, I want to encourage you to be bold and follow the voice of God in this circumstance. And in fact, this morning as I was preparing this, I want to take a moment, just 30 seconds right now, to pray for anybody in this room who has, even as I'm talking about it, there's a relationship that you know is harming you and hurting you, and you have the, the voice of God within you is saying, don't go there. I, I want to protect you. So can I do that just for a minute? Lord, we just thank you for your wisdom. Lord, I thank you that when you say no, it's because of something that you know. And so, Lord, I pray for courage for anyone who has uh, a friendship or a key relationship which they know is, is hurting them and hurting their relationship with you. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and your wisdom, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Really, really practical things as we come into this silly season. Has anyone here ever been 
dramatically unprepared for a situation or circumstance. Can I, can I get a... We've got a few here. Okay. So quite a while ago, in the year 2000, uh, I was in a church in Sydney and our church, the young adults of our church, travelled to Washington, D.C., to be part of a prayer meeting with 400,000 other people. So it was called The Call DC, and it was the first one of its kind. It was an amazing time. And so for me, the way that I kind of uh, worked out the logic for my preparation is I was, uh, I was traveling to Washington, DC, and then I was going on to travel um, in other parts of America and also parts of Europe. And I thought... Why don't I pack really, really light? In fact, I won't take any bedding or any pillow. So it, had, it was decided that we were going to be like, uh, there was a local church in Washington, D.C. that was going to host us in there. It was like an indoor basketball court. And uh, at that time, Washington, D.C. was really, really hot. And so... I'm like, okay, I won't pack any bedding, but what I'll do is when I'm on the plane, they have blankets and pillows on the plane. I'm going to take those blankets and pillows with me, okay? So Sarah says it's stealing. I didn't quite think about it at that time, okay? Apologize, American Airlines. And so here I was, but what I didn't realize is that the blankets are like only about this big. And so I had this like half a blanket and this tiny pillow. And so we arrive in the bus and the church that we arrive at, it's a nice church, all right, nice property. It has a sign out the front, wasn't the most encouraging life-giving sign. And the sign out the front said this, worship the sun, S-O-N, and you will not burn. Okay, how's that for an encouraging welcome? We have got it's great to see you or something out the front here at City Lights, but maybe we should be changing that. So we're there, and it's just wooden floors, but what's happened is they've been really kind to us. They've cranked up the air conditioning, and so it's about 18 degrees in there on a wooden floor, and there I am lying on the wooden floor with a tiny, tiny pillow and a blanket. I was dramatically unprepared. When it comes to preparing for what's coming up for these social gatherings, as I said, most of the time we're thinking about what do we have to bring and what do we wear, but I want to give you a thought and an idea that actually what we need to do at this time is not just prepare stuff, what we wear or what we bring, but actually as part of this we need to prepare ourselves. And maybe you've never thought of that. And as we go into this environment, we need to be ready for what is ahead of us as we step into the room. Why? Because we are Jesus followers who live our life on mission and want to carry the light and life of Jesus. Now, remember during this series, we've been saying we always want to be wise but not weird. So when we walk into a room, what we want to avoid is telling people what's wrong with them and telling them what to do. That is not what a Jesus follower does. You do not point out people's faults or you do not call their behavior out 
publicly in that space. That is not what you do. That's weird. Christianity is not about imposing your will on somebody or actually even imposing God's will on somebody. And when you step into that room, you need to be less focused on what they're doing and more focused on what you're doing, what is coming out of your heart, your emotions, and the idea that you are carrying the light and life of Jesus. So let me give you three quick things to help you prepare for your Christmas social gathering. The first is to dress for success. Who knows that how you dress makes all the difference. Now, I had a career before being a pastor in sales, and I started as a salesperson on the road, and then I transitioned into the state office. And in the first part of the time that I transitioned in the state office, I dressed like I was on the road. I had the company polo shirt, and I just dressed in the same way I did. What I figured out is that I wanted to dress for the job that I wanted, not the job that I had. And so here's what I started to do. I bought nice shirts. I bought the color blue. Why did I bring the color blue? Because psychologically, blue inspires confidence and trust. So I started to dress a little bit nicer. When it comes to party time, most of the invitations that we will get will have a dress code. And I Googled some of them because I personally find when you get a dress code invitation, I find some of them frightening, all right? I just find them too hard to understand, but I've listed them here. Uh, White tie, black tie, black tie optional. Can somebody tell me what black tie optional is? Why wouldn't you just say no tie? Formal, okay. Cocktail, semi-formal. Number seven, daytime casual, and number eight, western, okay? As I said, I find that frightening. I find it puts fear in my heart when I think about it. Shopping, getting ready for that kind of party. But did you know, maybe you've read this before, that God actually has a dress code? Did you know this? In Colossians chapter 3... It says this, So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Listen to this. This is what God wants us to wear. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, being even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Now, how would it be different if you and I, as we were preparing to hang out with somebody, whether that's a coffee or a meal or a Christmas party, if we actually took time to adopt the dress code of God. If we took time to say, God, as I enter this room, I pray that I would be clothed in compassion. 
God, as I go to this party, I would I pray I would be known as someone of kindness and someone of humility. Lord, I pray as I go into this situation that I would have your discipline. Perhaps sometimes it's keeping my mouth shut when I want to say something to somebody. Self-discipline. Maybe it's about what I consume or don't consume in that environment. God, I pray that as I go into this situation that I would be even-tempered and that I would carry the same type of humble, gracious love that Jesus carried. Take a moment that at the time, you know, as we're working out, as we're navigating what the heck black tie optional means before we're getting ready, that we're actually saying, okay, I'm going to wear a certain amount of things, but God, what do you want me to put on that actually defines me more than the clothes that I wear define me? Are you wearing what God has picked out for you? The second thing that we need to do as we prepare for our Christmas gatherings is this, is to budget for people to annoy and frustrate you. Let me read this same verse in a different translation. It says this, Make allowance for each other's faults, And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you, what, must, might, could, possibly. Jesus wants us to know, it's a big theme in the teachings of Jesus, is that forgiven people forgive others. That a sign that I have received the forgiveness of God, which is available to all of us no matter what we've done, but a sign, a product of that is that I would extend that same forgiveness to others. And I want to encourage each and every one of us that when we go into this environment, perhaps it's with a family member or at a work party, there's always someone who really rubs you the wrong way. There's always someone who you don't quite connect with and there's always someone that can easily push your buttons. And the Apostle Paul is reminding us that we need to be prepared for that. We need to budget for that. And so when someone annoys us, frustrates us, says something that is insensitive, we have a strength within us that goes, that's okay, I can deal with that because I budgeted for it. I've got margin. I've got margin in my spirit. I've got the ability, I've got a buffer that not everything that any, every, anyone says to me I take personally or I take to heart. In fact, I'm going to take what you've said and I'm going to put it over here. It's a little circular basket, right? A little, I'm, I'm just going to say that, hey, that, I recognize that statement was of no value to me and I'm just going to put it over here. This is something that if we learn to practice this, this will actually change our lives because we have a higher level of preparation when we step into a room that we are not easily offended, we do not have a short fuse, we are not overly sensitive, but we actually have the type of love and the type 
of strength that we saw in the life of Jesus. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this, He who grows in grace remembers that he is but dust, and therefore he does not expect his fellow Christians to be anything more. We could also say that of other people. He overlooks 10,000 of their faults because he knows his God overlooks 20,000 in his own case. He does not expect perfection in the creature, and therefore he is not disappointed when he does not find it. I wonder if we stepped into rooms and environments, different conversations with different people, and we were prepared to make allowances for them. The third one is this. I want to encourage you, as we prepare, to actively prepare your heart and emotions in the presence of God. It's related to the last one. How do I budget for someone to annoy me? Really, because the fact that they annoy me often produces a response that I'm not proud of. Or a, or a word that I say in anger or in frustration. A sharp word or a harsh word. So how do I do that? Well, there's a psalm. Psalm 139, 23, gives us a clue. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is actually a big part of my daily prayer life. And it's this, God, I I open my heart to you. I pray that you would find in my heart and point out to me anything that is not of you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to see the best in the people around me. I pray that you would help me to appreciate who they are in you. And when you actively do this, and sometimes you're calling out people by name, and you're saying, God, as I go to this thing and I see my uncle or my auntie who annoys me or my friend, God, I pray that you would search my heart. God, if I've got unforgiveness against them, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of that. Lord, if I know that they are going to offend me, Lord, I pray that you'd give me grace and strength to still be loving to them in return. This is what it means to open your heart, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and your emotions and say, God, help me to love this person. Now, I've always got to add a little side note. I'm not talking about people who are abusive to you. Feel free to take whatever action that you need. I'm just talking about people that rub you the wrong way. And so God is inviting us. God is inviting us to be the type of people who when we step into a room, that we know that there is something different. That we carry the love of God. That we carry the grace of God. That we carry the kindness of God. 
Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.